Failure is a part of the process. You have to fail to win. You have to lose your fear of failure. Failure is a part of the process. People who don't, don't who never fail, never try. You have to fail. You got to get it wrong to get it right. You learn nothing from winning. You only learn from your failures. Uh, Warren Buffett said he won't even invest in a person's business unless they failed in two other businesses. Because now you know what not to do. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing, man. I've just, uh, I've overcome so many failures. I've failed more times than I've succeeded. That's, <laughs> I tell you the truth, man. I feel, it's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan took 949 game-winning shots. He only made 123. He's the greatest basketball player to ever live. He only made 123 game-winning shots. He took 949 of them. All you got to do is all you got to do is win some of the time. A professional baseball player, out of every 10 at bat, if he hits the ball three times out of 10, he makes millions of dollars. You understand? If a basketball player makes 50% of his shots, he makes millions of dollars. All he got to do is hit half of them. Not at the free throw, but in the game. That's that's what you got to learn. I, probably the other thing for me is when I stopped living my life in probabilities and started living only in possibility, probability is when somebody gives you a statistic. Like one, in, like they told me, one in every 20,000 comedians will get on the Tonight Show. That was the odds. And I went cool. And the dude went, what do you mean cool? I said, I'm going to get on the Tonight Show. He said, no, you didn't listen to me. He said, one in every 20,000 ever make it to the Tonight Show. Excuse me. You did say one, didn't you? That's the possibility of winning. That's the attitude you have to have about it. All you want to do is live in the possibility and ignore the probability. Probably, probability simply means to me, probably ain't going to happen. That's what that means. Possibility is it can happen. You just got to have that, man. We all feel like giving up sometimes. We all go through times where we feel like God is one million miles away. But we don't have any idea what he's doing when we're tired, when we're weary, when we think we just can't go on. Most people are afraid to set great dreams and set big goals because of the fear of failure. There's something much worse than failure. It is the fear of failure. I want to remind you that failure is not final, it's formative. It is part of the process. It's part of the journey. Your failure matters as much as your success. How do you think you're going to grow if you don't ever fail? Yet some of you have failed and you have decided, well, guess what? I'm a failure. No, failure is an event. It is never a person. I need you to make up in your mind that the only way you can lose is if you quit. I just need you to keep going. First, you cannot give up. When you enter into your long season, you've got to give it all you got. When people go into a season of struggle, the first thing that they want to do is take a sabbatical. But whenever trouble comes, the only way that you can get through trouble is work your way through it. Make a declaration to yourself. 
declare all-out war that you're going to get out of this rut. I suggest to you that if you are facing a challenge, don't stop. Stay busy. Work your plan. Don't confuse movement with progress. In order to achieve your goals, you must apply discipline, which you have already done, and consistency every day. You have to work at it every day. You have to plan every day. You've heard the saying, we don't plan to fail, we fail to plan. Hard work works. Working really hard is what successful people do. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, don't give up then. Develop your own compass and trust it. Take risks. Dare to fail. Remember the first person through the wall always gets better. You're going to fall down, but the world doesn't care how many times you fall down as long as it's one fewer than the number of times you get back up. If you want to grow up, you want to be mature, there is no way to do it without pain. You can't grow up on easy street. And the very thing that discourages you is the very thing that develops you. Make one room in your house as beautiful as possible. That's, that's what I'm writing about now. Um, I, I talked a lot about already about the necessity of cleaning your room, which is, you know, uh, in some sense a foolish piece of advice because it seems so obvious, but it's not obvious at all. And you'll find if you try it, especially if you're in a household that's not very functional, that you'll encounter obstacles that you couldn't imagine existed while you're trying to put your life in order. And you can take your surroundings beyond order and, and, and move towards beauty, and that's unbelievably useful because while beauty calls people to their higher being, I would say, and to make friends with beauty is to introduce yourself and introduce yourself very carefully to one of the mysteries of life that make it worth living. Now, we teach things that are generally not taught in school, as I already have said. But I want to talk about another little factor. 90% of the visits to medical doctors are directly or indirectly related to stress. 90%. My stress level, and I face as many deadlines as anybody you know. It's always a book production, a class I'm teaching, a seminar I'm presenting. And each one of them uh, requires time and concentration. Example, how many of you feel like I've made this talk before? Can I see your hand, please? Several hundred times I made it yesterday. You know what I did between yesterday and today? I spent over six hours getting ready for today. You see, I think it would be arrogant if I thought I could stand up and spit it out just because I did it yesterday or hundreds of times. That's arrogance. When you respond to life instead of react to it, React is negative. You get sick, go to the doctor. She gives you a prescription, says, see me tomorrow. You walk in the next day, she said, uh-oh, it's not working. Uh, we're going to have to change their prescription. You get a little nervous. But if she smiles and says, hey, it's working. And so you have just, she's just responded. And you feel better because now you see some real hope in order to get ahead in life. Make friends with people who want the best for you. And that's a meditation on my own childhood and adolescence to some degree. I, I had friends who wanted the best for me and friends who didn't. And, you know, they were friends who 
Some of them were aiming up and some of them were aiming down. And if you have a friend that's aiming down and you do something that's aiming up, then they're generally not that happy about it. You know, they try to top your accomplishment with one of their own hypothetical or real or put down what you're doing or offer you a cigarette if you're trying to quit and you've kind of done that successfully or a drink if you've been drinking too much and are trying to stop being an alcoholic, you know, or or. Yeah, they're cynical and bitter and, and devoted towards no good. And sometimes that's family members too. And sometimes it's even part of you, you know. But this chapter is a injunction to people. It's like, like you have an ethical responsibility to take care of yourself. You have an ethical responsibility to surround yourself with people who have the courage and, and faith and wisdom to wish you well when you've done something good and to stop you when you're doing something destructive. And if your friends aren't like that, then they're not your friends. And maintaining your friendships with them might not even be in their interest. And so it's a tricky argument to make because I'm not saying, you know, whenever anyone's in trouble, you should, you know, push them into a ditch and then give them a couple of kicks. That's that's not the idea. The idea is that but I had a couple of rules I didn't write about. One was be careful. Uh, be careful about whom you share good news with. And another was be careful about whom you share bad news with. And everyone, those rules ring in people's minds quite quickly. A friend is someone you can share good news with, you know. You go to them and you say, hey, look, this good thing happened to me. And, and they say, look, I'm so happy that that happened to you. Like, way to be. And they don't think, God damn it, why didn't that happen to me? And like, you know, you didn't deserve it. Here's a bunch of reasons you're stupid and why it won't work. It's like, that's not helpful. And so I would say, like, if people are... You know what, the other thing people are doing if they're trying to drag you down, let's say, is they're trying to see if you'll put up with it. Because they have this idea that maybe life isn't worth living and things aren't good. And then if they can besmirch, let's say, to use an archaic term, something that's pristine and good, then they demonstrate to themselves that there is no true ideal and that there's no necessary reason to be responsible and to strive forward. And so they use you as a test case. You know, I'll just push you down into the low lobster bin and see how you respond. And if you put up with it, then yeah, my cynicism is fully justified. If you take people and you expose them voluntarily to things that they are avoiding and are afraid of, you know, that they know they need to overcome in order to meet their goals, their self-defined goals. If you can teach people to stand up in the face of the things they're afraid of, they get stronger. And you don't know what the upper limits to that are because you might ask yourself, like, if for 10 years, if you didn't avoid doing what you knew you needed to do, by your own definitions, right, within the value structure that you've created to the degree that you've done that, what would you be like? Greatness is not this wonderful, esoteric, elusive, God-like feature that only the special among us are, will ever taste. You know, it's something that truly exists in all of us. It's very simple. I told myself that this might be your current circumstances, but this will not be how the story ends. All you have to do, E.T., is to survive today. My glory? It doesn't happen from the crowd. It doesn't happen in a stadium. It doesn't happen on a stage. There's no medals handed out. My glory happens in the darkness of the early morning. 
in solitude, alone, where I try. And I try, and I try again to be everything that I possibly can be. The best that I possibly can be. Better than I was yesterday. You know, everybody got the same story. We just got different details. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. So the first step is getting completely and brutally honest enough to say, I am tired of myself. When you say I'm sick and tired or being sick and tired, that's the facilitator of change. That's when you're ready to say these words, no more excuses. No more excuses. I went to Kent State. I dropped out. I, well, I didn't drop out, I flunked out. Now that threw my life into a spiral, but because I didn't have a college degree, I could not let that stop me. And like you're doing, where you're saying, all my friends at this age are settling your careers, you don't even know if they're happy or not. Stop comparing yourself to others. So the first thing you do is stop focusing on other people. Instead, focus on being the best version of you that you can. Then you'll recognize that you deserve to sit at the big table with everybody else after you become the best that you can be. Now, once you've accepted that you have as much right to success and much right to succeed as anybody else, the next step is learning how to talk the talk. You have to get fluent in the language of success so you speak it with ease. Surround yourself with people who've accomplished their dreams and immerse yourself in the culture of achievement. The notion that we are not enough is a lie. And I think more young people need to know that. That like when you have that thought that you're not enough, that that's based on a lie that somebody said to you or or a lie that somebody did to you. Like somebody said or did something to you to make you feel like you're not enough. And that's not true. That you are everything that you need to be, that you have everything that you need to have to be the person that you're meant to be and to be the best version of who you're meant to be. It may mean that you have to work really hard and it may mean that you have to ask for help, but you are perfectly blessed. You know, you are exactly who you're supposed to be, to be joyful in this life. So don't be afraid to work hard and don't be afraid to ask for help so you can get there because that's your truth. The number one job is to become more of yourself and to grow yourself into the best of yourself. You can always better your best. You can always go beyond anything that you have ever done. You'll never hit a state of perfection. You're always bigger than what you do. And so all you're looking for are new breakthroughs through practice and practice and practice. You'll get better and better and better. And there's still some things that will happen to you that will catch you on the blind side that you did not anticipate. You'll get knocked down, but you won't be knocked out. You'll be able to get to your feet again. Be on the ropes. You'll have a fast recovery rate when you work on yourself. Hard work matters. Why is hard work matter? Hard work matters strategic because if you make more phone calls, you do the old adage, right? Show up earlier than everybody else. Leave later. 
But there's something more deep about that. Yes, making more phone calls, seeing more people, being more active, being busier, putting in more hours into something always gives you a strategic chance to be more successful because you've increased your odds. You've talked to more people, you're more likely to get more prospects, you're more likely to get more clients or recruits or candidates for your business. So yes, strategically that increases your chances. But something powerful happens when you do things other people aren't willing to do. You begin to believe you deserve to have things other people won't have. And that's what gets you a seat at the table of success. Now once you're there, it's a dogfight. It's a dogfight of skills and talents and luck and faith and circumstance and blessing and all that stuff. But the just to get to the table, to get into the room, you have to believe you deserve to be there. And so again, I want to say this to you. The hard work part plays into shifting your identity. That over time, not even that long a period of time, when you're doing the things others are unwilling to do, you begin quietly to begin to believe that, oh, I deserve to be rewarded in ways these other people aren't going to be rewarded because I'm doing the things others won't do. And so the fastest way to change your identity, to change our belief, is just to flat get to work, to flat get there earlier, to flat leave later, to just make more calls, see more people, be more relentless, just pour ourselves into the work because actually the hard work can in reverse impact our identity. And that's what begins to happen. When you start to do those things they won't do, you begin quietly to change your belief, that you begin to believe, oh, I deserve to sit at the table with these other people who do the things other people aren't willing to do. All right, now, here's what I want to do. I want to share with you how you can begin to make this your decade. How many of you know within yourself, if you ask yourself the question, have I done all that I'm capable of doing or being and living up to my potential? How many of you have to really answer, no, I have not done all that I can do? Raise your hands, please. Okay, very good. Now, here's what we know. That people don't do what they know in life, but what they do is they operate within the context of the vision they have of themselves. So what I want to share with you is how to begin to get a larger vision of yourself and how to begin to make this your decade. Because in order to do that, it's going to be very challenging. It's going to require a lot of work on your part, an ongoing process of personal and professional self-mastery. And it's going to require that you begin to see yourself worthy of the requirements in terms of effort, in terms of commitment, in terms of action, in terms of preparation, or whatever it is that you need to do in order to take your life where you want to take it. So one of the first things that I ask you to do is I want you to look at your life right now. And think about something that's important to you, something that gives your life a sense of value. Think about something that you'd like to have, or something you'd like to create for you, or your family, or for society. Once you hold this thought in mind. Now, one of the first things I want you to do is don't worry about the inner conversation that you're going to have. Don't worry about how you're going to do it. That's going to come. You're going to develop a plan of action. You will find the way. You'll become the kind of person that can attract the people, the resources, and everything you need in order to make that become reality. I was born in Liberty City on a floor on 62nd Street, a twin brother and me. When we were six weeks of age, we were adopted. When I was in fifth grade, I was identified as EMR, labeled educable, mentally retarded, and put back from the fifth grade into the fourth grade and stayed in that category until I got out of high school. I have no college training, but here's what happened. I had an intervention in my life. A man who saw something in me at a time that I did not see something in myself. I never forget being in his class one day waiting on a friend of mine who was there to rehearse for a play. He did not show up. And he asked me to go up to the board and write something on the board. And I said, I can't do that, sir. He said, why not? I said, I, well, I'm, I'm in a special education class. He said, what do you mean? 
I said, go up to the board and write what I'm about to tell you. I said, I can't do that, sir. Why not? I'm educable, mentally retired. And he came from behind his desk. He said, don't ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And that changed my life. It was Oliver Wendell Holmes who said that once a person's mind is expanded with an idea or a concept, it can never be satisfied to going back to where it was. So some of you are going to experience a breakthrough. Some of you are going to go back and look at your dreams and brush them off. Some of you are going to begin to look at yourself and say, hey, look here, I know I have not done all that I can do. Whatever goal that you have in mind, I want that to be a goal that will challenge you, something that will make you stretch. It was Osborne who said, unless you attempt to do something beyond that which you've already mastered, you will never grow. What is it that you looked at at some point in time and you decided that you couldn't do it, that you talked yourself out of it? Whatever it is, bring it back out there. How are you going to do it? That will come to you in due time. So you don't get in life what you want, ladies and gentlemen. You get in life what you are, not what you want. You see, the good news is that we can always become more by working to develop ourselves. So the first process of making this your decade, you've got to begin to take a look at your life and look at where are you right now? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What gives your life a sense of fulfillment, a sense of joy? What does a full, rich life means to you? What is it that you could love doing seven days a week that will bring a smile to your face? Think about that. In all the areas of your life, your professional life, your personal life, your family life, your spiritual life, what is it that you'd like to have? Once you begin to determine that, that takes you to the next step. And that is, once you decide what it is that you want, now you've got to decide that you deserve that. Repeat after me, please. I deserve the best that life has to offer. I deserve to find. I'm telling you, for things to get better, you got to get better. Don't ask for it to change out there. Ask for you to change here. Don't ask for a more favorable wind. We call that naive. Don't ask for better seed, better soil. This is the only planet you got. Just ask that you can get wiser and stronger and better and be able to take care of your own responsibilities. Get better. Learn how to handle the seasons better. Let's go through them. Learn how to handle the seasons of life. Number one, learn how to handle the winters. There's all kinds of winters. The winter when you can't figure it out, the winter when it all goes wrong. The winters of your life. The winter of a divorce, the winter of a death in the family, the winter of a tragedy, some things we can't understand. But here's what we do know. It's possible for us to get through the winter. Here's what's exciting about the passing of time. It takes you through whatever you're experiencing at the moment. That's what time will do, take you through the winter. But here's what you've got to do in your own personal development, your own personal growth, and that is just get better at handling the winters. You can't change the winter. You can't change the seasons, but you can change yourself. You say, well, what can I do about the upcoming winters of my life? Challenges that I know I'm going to face. Here's what you can do. You can get wiser, stronger, and better. Go home smarter than you came. Go home with more ideas than you came. Next, get stronger. You can develop the muscle. You can develop the courage muscle. You can develop the inspiration muscle. You can develop the dedication muscle. You can get stronger. There isn't anybody here that can't get stronger. And the third one is get better. We can all get better. I've gotten better. 
First talk I gave, I stood up, my mind sat back down. But here's the secret to my success. I stood up and did it again. I stood up and I did it again. And I did it again and I did it again all those many years ago. I did it when I was scared and I did it when I didn't want to and I did it when I was ill. And I did it when it didn't work well and I didn't did it when they didn't appreciate it. And I didn't a lot of times when I didn't know much what I was doing. I just did it anyway. I got better. I got better day by day and week by week and month by month. And I'm asking you to do the same thing until you can develop a long arm and a long reach. Until you can develop influence that won't quit. Touch people next year you couldn't touch this year. Touch people now you couldn't touch before. Conduct a meeting now you couldn't conduct before. Heart and soul now mixed in there that wasn't there, missing before. I'm asking all of you to get better in spite of the winters, in spite of the downturn. The money downturn, the social downturn, the personal downturn, whatever it is. Just get stronger. Get better. We've all got those personal winters. The key is not to wish for a better winter. The key is to wish for more strength, more wisdom, more courage, get better, get wiser, get stronger. There's no winter that you can't overcome. There's no winter that you can't figure out how to survive. Winters don't last forever. Hang on. You know, the saddest man on the planet and the poorest person on this planet is a human without a dream. If you don't have a dream, you are really poor. You see, no matter how much money you don't have, as long as you got hope and a dream, there's always the possibility of gaining the success you're dreaming about. And yet, the most frustrated person in the world is a person with a dream, but hasn't experienced the reality of that dream. Listen well, that's going to be a challenge today, I understand that. As a matter of fact, I know that of all the 5.7 billion people on the planet, including the 94,000 that was born last night, every human being has been birthed with dreams and the ability to dream from God. Interesting. That is why young babies, children, toddlers, constantly are always dreaming wild dreams. How many of you ever dreamed, dreamed dreams before? Take good notes. Be a good student today. Take some good notes. I've not come to entertain you. Process it. Think about it. Ponder it. Everybody dreams. Matter of fact, there are people here tonight who are still frustrated because their dream is still as far as it was when they were 20 years old. And the reason why people's dreams don't come to pass is because they haven't learned how to exercise the principles that are designed in God's creation to fulfill dreams. A principle is a law that is established to create the environment to successfully produce the performance of the promised. And what I mean by that is every manufacturer builds into his product principles by which that product functions and if you follow those principles, everything that the manufacturer promised you, you'll experience. Uh, when they built the engine of the automobile, for example, they built it to operate on gasoline, maybe unleaded, right? And uh, be because they did that, when you bought the car, the principle was already built into the engine. So you couldn't decide to put what you felt like into the car. You had to put what the manufacturer designed the car to operate on. 
That's why if you like apple juice or orange juice or pineapple juice, the car doesn't care. It likes unleaded gasoline. And once you do what the principal commands you to do, the car will function for you. So success is really based on the obedience to principles. You'll follow just a little bit of those simple guidelines telling you the learning process be speedy, swift, powerful. Your learning curve can go up and then applying it to your business, your life, your family, conversations, equities of all kinds. You'll find some progress like I did that first five years when I met a teacher willing to share with me, turn my life around. Progress I couldn't believe happened. Write that down. It's a very important, simple concept. Success is based on obedience to principles. In other words, being successful is not luck. Being effective in your life is not a matter of being a lucky person or a fortunate person. Success and top performance in life is literally a simple process of obedience to principles. And so, even as we see that in the normal creation or manufacturing of human uh, products, the same thing is true about what God created. The plants around me are products of principle. Everything in life is built to function by principles. Now, what is a principle? Once again, a principle is a fixed law that is established to guarantee the performance of a product. Once you obey the principle, success is automatic. That makes life exciting. Now, principles are established to make life simple. That's what makes us different than all other life forms. The ability to think, the ability to use your mind, the ability to process ideas, and not just operate by instinct. When you don't know the principle of a thing, you have to literally trial and error it through life. For example, because you know what a car demands, then you don't have to think twice of what to put in the car. You don't pray, should I put juice or, or tomato juice or, Father, should I put tomato today or should I put orange juice? No, you just know what to put in that so you know where to go for it. And automatically, when your car gauge, gasoline fuel gauge is low, you go right to the station, don't you? Here's what locks up the doors and the channels to receive more cynicism. That locks you away. That prevents you from learning more. Being a cynic about the past and the future. Cynic about the marketplace. Cynical about the people. Cynical about the institution. Cynical about the setup. Cynical about yourself. Cynical about your chances. See, that locks away all the chance for stuff to flow you away. When I first started telling jokes, I made $25 a night. The first year in comedy, I made $3,000. Second year, I made $5,500. The third year, I made about $7,200. I became homeless. You make three, five, and seven, twelve, thirteen, dollars $15,000 in three years. That's how you get homeless. That's why that lady was out here, Miss Deborah, tough feeding homeless people, because I was one of them. I lived in a car for three years because I wasn't making enough money. But guess what? I kept telling them $25 jokes until they started paying me $250 a night. 
I kept telling them $250 till they started making me, started paying me $25,000. I kept telling them $25,000 till they started paying me $75,000. Then I told them, Joe, for seventy-five, they started paying me a hundred and a quarter at night. Then I kept telling them, they done paid me a half million dollars for these. Without the kings of comedy, we made fifty-eight million dollars in one year. You know what we did? We told jokes. Them the same twenty-five dollar jokes. They ain't nothing but English. Ain't what like I was doing them in Spanish and no like that. I was just same funk jokes for $25. I just kept repetition, repetition over and over and over. I turned them jokes into an empire. I turned them jokes into a lifestyle beyond my wildest dream. I turned them jokes into funds. My grandkids ain't got to worry about nothing. I done put up so much with them $25 jokes. You. You are sitting on an empire. You are worth millions. That's how you become a millionaire. You don't try to think of a million. You just do this $10 thing you got over and over and over. You're sitting on money, man. That's how you get rich. Quit trying to figure out how to make a million. Take something, a $10 idea, and just do it. And do it. And keep praying about it. Keep asking God to show you the next level. Keep asking God for strength when it looked like you ain't going to make it. When I was homeless, it looked like I wasn't going to make it. I kept praying about it. Kept asking God to come get me. I kept leaning on my mama. Man, she said, he didn't bring you this far to leave you. I kept hearing her say that. You know, I could have gave up a long time ago, but I did. I never gave up. I just kept fighting. God is going to come through and do what he say he going to do. But you got to give him something to work with. If you do that, God will change your whole life. If you, I dare you to try. I dare you to take your gift and do it over and over and over. Watch what he do. The Bible says your gift will make room for you and put you in the presence of great men. Don't say nothing about your passion or your education. Your gift. If you do that, God will change your life. Thank you all for coming. So I would say, you support free speech because it's the mechanism that maintains the sanity of the individual and society. And you live in relationship with the spoken truth to the best of your ability because the alternative is hell. And if hell is what you want, then you can remain arrogant and resentful and deceitful. But if you want to work to better the world, to bring it up to what it might be, then you speak forthrightly, you clarify yourself, and you act properly in the world. And then you see what happens. And this is the final thing I'll say. I spent a long time studying the Sermon on the Mount. It's a key document. It's Christ's commentary on the Ten Commandments. In a sense, the question being, if you codify the rules by which a society might function, is there something within the structure of the rules that rises above them that acts as the fundamental principle from which they're all derived? It's the ultimate question of human ethics. What is the highest principle? And the answer that's put forth in the Sermon on the Mount is quite straightforward. 
aim at the highest possible good that you can conceive of. Whatever that is that you can conceive of, that serves as your God for all intents and purposes. Having aligned yourself with that good, speak the truth and see what happens. That's the act of faith. The act of faith is whatever the truth reveals is the best of all possible worlds, regardless of how it appears to you now. It's a guess, right? It's, a, it's something you stake a bet on. Well, what do you think? The best of all possible worlds will be brought into being by deceit? It seems unlikely. You know that doesn't work in your own life. You tangle yourself up in your own lies, right? One lie breeds ten, and ten breeds a hundred, and maybe you put the consequences on down the road, and you don't fall into the pit for five or six years. Maybe you've even forgotten why you fell in when you finally do fall in, but everyone knows that everyone knows that you don't get away with anything. And so the issue is, well, what would happen if you just said what you thought? Stupid as it is, inaccurate as it is, and listen to people, criticize you in response to shape you and make you more articulate. What would your life be like? And the answer to that is, and I know this to be true, I've worked with many, many people on precisely this problem. Your life gets better and better and better and richer and deeper, but that comes with a heavier and heavier burden of responsibility. Well, that's okay. You use the observation of your own capability to bear responsibility, to buttress yourself against the terrors of being finite. You say, weak and miserable as I am, I can still stand up to the terrible tragedy of life and prevail, and that's good enough. I don't care how good you are, I don't care how talented you are, I don't care how much you work on yourself, there are some times when things aren't going to go right. They just are not going to go right. There are times when anything that can happen will happen. Murphy's Law will be knocking at your door. Why? I don't know why. That's called life. And you have to deal with it. Sometimes your life will be in a slump, just like sports. Some of the best shooters can't hit baskets different times in games. They get in a slump. Do they sit on the sideline and say, you know, I just didn't hit a basket today? No. They continue to execute. I suggest to you that if you are facing a challenge, don't stop. Stay busy. Work your plan. Continue to do those things that you know that work for you after you have evaluated yourself in the situation. Continue to move. Stay busy. Stay busy. Stay busy. Next thing is that you've got to activate the thinker in you. Don't allow your emotions to control you. We are emotional, but you want to begin to discipline your emotion. If you don't discipline and contain your emotions, they will use you. If you want to begin to move into your own personal greatness, if you want to begin to really enjoy a happy, successful, healthy life, you've got to be willing to go against the tide. You've got to be willing to harness your will. If we don't have clarity on what we want, if we don't have clarity on who we are, if we don't have clarity on what our intentions are in social relationships, it's it's unnerving to us. Who's ever felt lost in life? Ever felt lost in life? Well, if you ever felt lost in life, you know that feeling. It's coming from a lack, A, often of clarity. You just don't know who you are, what you're about, what you want anymore. And, and it's unsettling when you lack clarity. It's really unsettling. 
How clear have you been about how you wanted to show up each day? How clear have you been about what you wanted and how you wanted to show up? Did you start the day with some clarity about how you wanted to live that day, show up that day, treat other people that day, serve that day? Your brain is divided into two halves, positive and negative, good and evil. It don't function on nothing else. Ain't no neutral ground in there. It's either positive and good or negative and evil. Each half of your brain has millions of factory workers on each side. You got a million factory workers on the positive side. You got a million factory workers on the negative side. At the forefront of each one of those factories in your brain is a foreman. You got foreman positive and you got foreman negative. You are in charge. You're the boss of the factory. It takes discipline to change a habit because habits are formed a little bit each day, every day. Once habits are formed, they act like a giant cable. We must unweave every strand of the cable of habits slowly and methodically until the cable that once held us in bondage becomes nothing more than scattered strands of wire. It takes the consistent application of a new discipline. It takes discipline to plan, it takes discipline to execute our plan. And it takes discipline to change either our plan or our method of executing that plan if the results are poor. It takes discipline to be firm when the world throws opinions at our feet. Discipline is a constant human awareness of the need for action and a conscious act by us to implement that action. If our awareness and our implementations occur at the same time, then we begin a valued sequence of disciplined activity. If there's considerable time that passes between the moment of awareness and the time of our implementation, then that is called procrastination. Doing it tomorrow instead of today, procrastination, an almost exact opposite of discipline. The voice within us says, get it done. Discipline then says, do it now, today, tomorrow, and always, until finally the worthy deed becomes instinctive. Procrastination says, later, whenever I get a chance. Procrastination also says, do what is necessary to get by or to impress others. Do what you can, but not what you must. In every circumstance we face, we are constantly presented with these two choices. Do it now or do it later. A choice between a disciplined existence bearing the fruit of achievement and contentment or procrastination, the easy life for which the future will bear no fruit. The rewards of a disciplined life are great, but they're often delayed until some time in the future. The rewards for the lack of discipline are immediate. An immediate reward for lack of discipline is a fun day at the beach. A future reward of discipline is owning the beach. We choose today's pleasure rather than tomorrow's fortune. So how can you get rid of the easy distractions? How can you keep an attitude of doing it all and doing it now? How can you stay focused on your ambitions? How can you avoid conversations at the water cooler? 
You can keep your focus on your work. You can get it done today instead of tomorrow. Or you'll find yourself distracted. Distracted by negative thoughts. Distracted by negative people. And pretty soon, depending on the type of people you've associated with, never underestimate the power of influence and associations. And never underestimate the power of your own consistent self-discipline. Now let's take a closer look at discipline. First, true discipline is not the easiest option. Most people would rather sleep until 10 o'clock than get up at 6. It's easier not to read. It's easier to turn on the television than to open a book. It's easier to do just enough than to do it all. Trying is always easier than doing. Imagine what life would be like if we didn't have to make our bed in the morning or pay our taxes or show up for work tomorrow. Wouldn't it be fascinating? What do you suppose would become of us? You're right, not much. For whatever the reason, the system we live in and contribute to is designed to make the easiest things in life the most unprofitable. Our world is and always will be a constant battle between the life of ease and its momentary rewards and a life of discipline and its far more significant rewards. Each has its own price, the price of discipline or the price of regret. We will pay one or the other. Speaking in a sorrowful tone at a time when there is no going back, this is regret. Choose one or the other, the price of discipline or the price of regret. One costs pennies, the other a fortune. You know, I really believe in life you're either growing or you're dying. It's part of nature, it's part of the human experience. And too many of us start to get stagnant and we wonder why we're not happier. I looked at my life and I just said, you know what? I want to do more. I want more for myself, my family. I want to be in charge of my own destiny. And what I was doing at that time was not providing that. I really believe one of the pathways to true happiness, to true fulfillment, is to always be growing, always be evolving, always chasing the ultimate version of ourselves. And it got to a point that just doing something eight hours a day just to pay the bills, it just didn't get it. I didn't find that fulfilling. Because so many of us in our lives, we don't replace ourselves with the next best version all the time. And there becomes an age. For some of us, it's 18 years old, where the 19-year-old's almost exactly like the 18-year-old version. Their life, their results, their wealth, their happiness, their fitness is exactly the same. And this process of growth begins to slow down and in some cases stops altogether where we're not replacing ourselves every year. I was doing something to survive. What it takes to live versus what it takes to survive are two different things. That if you're not willing to take a chance on you so that you can explore some other possibilities for yourself, you'll never discover the greatness that you have within yourself to do more, to have more, and to experience more. And so the only way we get to that ultimate version of ourselves is by replacing ourselves and growing all the time. This has to become an addiction for you. It has to become an emergency.
you are either growing or you are dying. We need to grow. You need to grow. And it needs to become an intention of yours. It needs to become an obsession of yours. I wanted to see what else was out there for me other than what I was doing at the time. Do something beyond your comfort zone. Learn something new so you can see what's in you. Expand yourself. Take yourself out your comfort zone. If you stay in your comfort zone, that's why you will fail. You got some more stuff back there, but you'll never find out what it is if you don't test yourself. So you want to maximize this time. You want to milk this moment. You want to make your move right now. Success is not a comfortable procedure. So you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable if you ever want to be successful. One of the things that I do when I make some money, I operate like I don't have a dime. And this is what you have to do. All of you have extraordinary capabilities. You have to decide if you are willing to do the things to put you in that category. The people that are going to be successful are willing to do the things today others won't do in order to have the things tomorrow others won't have. What is it that most people won't do? Here's what they won't do. Learn something new. They're comfortable with what they're doing now. The Bible says, he who loves to sleep and the folding of hands, poverty will set upon you like a thief in the night. If you're not willing to learn anything new, no one can help you. But if you're willing to learn something new, like I decided to do this, no one can stop you. If you're going to make it today, you got to be hungry. It's a different market right now. It's different. So the people that are going to come out on top, the people that will snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, they're hungry. You got to be hungry. People that are hungry are the first ones there and the last ones to leave. Most people are not hungry. Most people are conditioned to do just enough to keep from getting fired, where they've been paid just enough to keep from quitting. It takes some time to step out of that mental conditioning. It's not easy out there. People are always saying you can't, that you shouldn't, that you're not smart enough, not good enough. This world, it, it beats you up again and again until eventually most people, they just, they just stop trying. But you're not like that. You're a fighter. You always have been. Everybody in your life will have a turn back moment. No matter who you are, you're going to have such a period in your life where it seems like it's not working. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have a lot of trials and tribulations and challenges. You always have a moment in your life where the direction you're going, you will have to make a decision to keep going or you turn back. The sad thing is, the average person turns back. 
It's hard living. Life is hard. Life is not easy at all. There's going to be challenges. You're going to get beat down, and that tough situation is making you want to stop. And you will fail sometimes, and that's okay. That's okay as long as you get back up, take that next step, keep moving forward, and no matter what, do not quit. I don't care how low you are. I don't care what you have done. I don't care what you have experienced. I don't care how devastated your life might appear to be. The shambles it might be in. Wherever you are in life, ladies and gentlemen, you've got comeback power. There's a power in you that can enable you to be stronger and better than anything that's out here. Once you begin to know who you are, once you discover this power, the perfect essence of who you are, that's in all of us, that's permeating our being. That enable us to be the directors of our lives. It will set you free from believing I can't see myself doing any better. That you truly can live a healthy, happy, prosperous life, and that you can make it in what are called the worst of times. Tough times never last, but tough people do. And you are tough. You're made of some special stuff. There was nobody here before you. You brought something here that was not here before you showed up. Guess what? Nobody's going to do your work for you. Nobody's going to write your book for you. That has been given to you today. You want your stuff? It's necessary you take responsibility for it. That you make it happen. That you don't give up. That you don't take any objection or disappointment or defeats personally. That you keep on keeping on. That you don't decide that I can't make it because you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. That you realize that's a part of the program. And here's something you've got to resolve. Say this to yourself every day. Not over till I win. Not over till I get through. Not over till I get over. Not over till I get what I want. That's how you got to do that. You got to have that kind of courage, that type of determination. If you want to make it happen, it's you. I think it's really critical that you understand that everybody wants to grow their business, and we all go through different phases, right? Just like human beings go through phases. You know, you you give birth to your business, and you're an infant, and an infant is a run for survival. And cash flow problems are a natural process in most cases, and you're running. Hopefully, you get to a teenager where now cash flow is not a problem. You're growing like crazy, and then you have a new problem. You don't have systems in place. And maybe you get to young adult where you have to decide what you're not going to do. Eventually, hopefully, you get to prime where you're growing your business revenues and you're growing your profits and you've got a professional organization. And you're not doing it because as long as you're doing it, really, you don't have a business. What you have is you're self-employed. There's nothing wrong with being self-employed, but there, whenever you meet someone who's in business is stressed, they're always a business operator. And my focus is become a business owner. How do you do that? You realize that the chokehold in the growth of your business is always the leader. And it's your skills and it's your psychology. And I found it's 80% psychology and 20% skills. You got to have the marketing skills. You got to be able to lead. You got to be able to recruit. You got to do all those things. But really, most importantly, you got to get it through what I call the threshold of control. When you realize that your problem is not a lack of resources, it's not a lack of money or technology or contacts. It's not. It's your psychology, because the ultimate resource is resourcefulness. And human emotion—that's what starts wars. That's what makes a business begin. That's how you have children. That's how we end wars. It's all emotion. And so, what I really learned to do is how to manage my emotions. So, 
you know, once you solve that one, the next one shows up. I had somebody, I started a franchise and a couple franchisees were really upset when one of the people representing on my side said they didn't make things clear to them. And, you know, it's all bullshit, but it cost me $5 million in four years. I thought the first one was like a $50,000 challenge. I got a $5 million challenge. And it took all the money I'd saved in my entire career to pay that off, and I was starting over again. And then I grew from that. And then I finally got, you know, to, I had a partner in business, and long story short, they had a business that was losing a million dollars a day, and he turned around and making $1.8 billion in EBITDA. He offered me his partner, and I signed a document saying, we're all joint and several. There's $40 million in debt. I figured I had $10 million of the debt. I have a million, eight, $1.8 billion in infrastructure. And it turned out my partners, uh, two of them were broke. They weren't billionaires. They had lost their money. And the other one was the son of a billionaire and his dad had given him nothing at $5 million to his name. So I was on the hook shortly after for $120 million when I didn't have $120 million. I figured out how to deal with that. By doing that, I eventually took my companies to this year will surpass $6 billion in 33 companies because I made it through the threshold of control. So I want you to know, when you see these big numbers by any entrepreneur, they all started with blocking and tackling, and they all started with how do I get both the skill and, more importantly, the psychology. You can get the skill if you can get that part of you that just doesn't die, the part of you that finds the way to add more value than anybody else so you can keep growing. When you say, I don't have any idea whatsoever of what I'm going to do to pull this out. been in situations like that where I had deadlines I had to meet. I didn't meet those deadlines, and I lost a car lost a home, uh, lights were cut off, telephone was cut off. All of those things are going to happen to you at different points in life. Now, the question is, what, what does it really mean? It really doesn't mean anything. It's not important at all. It's just a temporary inconvenience because all of those things can be corrected. And it's a part of the process that we all go through. Now, the challenge is, in the midst of all of these things, is... One, to stay focused on your goal, and two, to keep your expectations of making it happen and keeping your energy positive and relentlessly looking for ways in order to pull it out. And I guarantee you that there will be some intervention. What causes it? I don't know. There are things that we don't know or understand, but we do know that if we do certain things, that things begin to happen that's in our favor, that shows that the universe is on our side. Everything that we're seeking, I believe that if we begin to align our thoughts with action and be relentless, don't try two or three things or 15 or 20 things, but a 100 things, 500 things if necessary, 10,000 things as Edison did, if necessary, until we find a way out. Many of us, we eliminate many possibilities for ourselves because we really don't do all we can do. I think A.O. Williams was right when he said, all we can do is all we can do, and all we can do is enough. And I think, honestly speaking, even judging from myself, I think that my commitment is stronger than most people. But if I had to literally measure my, my commitment in terms of what I put forth in my dream, I would say that I might have given about 18 to 20 percent of what I'm really capable of. As high in consciousness as I believe that I am, comparatively speaking, where I used to be, I'm still nowhere near reaching 50 percent 
of the commitment that I can make to accelerate the growth and the development of my dream and the manifestation of the things that I know within myself that I'm capable of producing. So our biggest challenge is beginning to look at within ourselves to remove those energy blocks because if we're not producing the income that we want, let us not look outside of ourselves, but look within ourselves to find out how am I blocking me? Am I really giving it all that I have? I have. Uh, am I really being as creative as I can be? Am I really unstoppable? Am I as relentless as I can be? Am I exhausting every means possible? Am I turning up every rock to find what it is that I'm looking for? That what resides between our ears, when we're thinking about how do I come up with $500, $1,200, or $2,000, is the same gray matter that resides between the ears of a Ross Perot or Donald Trump when his bankers say, you've got 30 days. How is it that one man or woman can do it and do a million times more than these other people and the other ones don't? It has to be consciousness. It has to be. And when we talk about consciousness, we're talking about a collection of our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions and experiences used as an active force to produce in our lives that which we want to produce. Because everything that exists in life, the microphones that we're speaking in, the shoes that we have on our feet, the chairs that we're sitting in, the clothes that we're wearing, the homes that we live in, the cars that we drive, all of that came out of our consciousness. That all came out of the invisible into the visible. And man was the vehicle, the, the outlet to produce that. Wherever we are stopped in our dream, we stop to the place called willingness. Anybody that's has fallen short of their goals, they ran into something that they were not willing to handle. Because in order to reach your dream, in order to make things happen, there must be a willingness to do what is required. You don't have to worry about the winds that will most certainly blow around you, the obstacles the negativity that will stand in your way. You don't have to worry about what other people will say. You just have to keep your mind on your course. Those winds may blow fast and furious, but if you know your path, if you know where you are going, they will help push you toward the dreams and goals and treasures that you have already decided you're going after. Your goals will push you forward ahead of the stormy weather. To be a good person, you have to have ambition. You have to try to do something good with your life. You have to try to get out of where you are today or make where you are a better place tomorrow. the hack? How do you become stronger, smarter, faster, healthier? How do you become better? How do you achieve true freedom? People look for the shortcut, the hack. And if you came here looking for that, you won't find it. 
The shortcut is alive. The hack doesn't get you there. And if you want to take the easy road, it won't take you to where you want to be. To reach goals and overcome obstacles and be the best version of you possible will not happen by itself. It will not happen cutting corners, taking shortcuts, or looking for the easy way. There is no easy way. There is only hard work, late nights, early mornings, practice, rehearsal, repetition, study, sweat, blood, toil, frustration, and discipline. Discipline, the root of all good qualities. The driver of daily execution. The core principle that overcomes laziness and lethargy and excuses. Discipline defeats the infinite excuses that say, not today, not now, I need a rest, I'll do it tomorrow. No one is going to create the lifestyle. No one is going to create the future that you want for you. At the end of the day, you can't replace hard work. I know some of us say we don't come from the greatest home environment. We don't come from the greatest social and economical status, but at the end of the day, we are still in control of our lives. I promise you, don't compare yourself to people that you feel are more qualified than you. Don't compare yourself to people that you think that are more talented than you. Don't compare yourself to other people's giftings. At the end of the day, hard work works. Hard work can always outwork talented people who don't want to work that hard. Hard work will always create opportunities for us to win in life. I mean that. Tell yourself that satisfaction isn't enough. It's not a question of whether or not it's possible. Conquering is part of your description. It is in your nature. The will to overcome and produce was designed to be a part of your genetic makeup. Life's going to give you ultimately what you'll fight for. In your life, you're going to get what you tolerate. Stop tolerating for these people who have believed in you all your life, an inferior life for you. Don't tolerate it anymore. Yeah, you got to give it your best, but it starts making a decision that this is over. I don't tolerate this life anymore. Pretty good's not good enough for my family, my parents, my future. You can do this. You're great. You're special. You were born for a reason. Days that I feel like I'm not going to make it. On the days that it feels like I can't endure anymore. I think back on my track record for surviving all my bad days. And so far, surviving all my bad days, my track record is 100%. This thing you're going through, this just uniquely yours. You just got to understand you ain't the only one. You ain't the only one going through it. Now, in the, you, you have to understand why you're going through the period that's causing you to make you want to give up. See, the devil, the devil has one mission. One mission only is to rob you of your destiny. That's the devil's only job. If he can get you to give up, you have been robbed of your destiny. If he can get you to become a criminal, he robs you of your destiny. If he gets you to never follow your dream, chase your dream, he robs you of your destiny. If he causes you to think that this is all my life is, 
he has caused you to rob you of your destiny. You just have to understand that Satan has one job to rob you of your destiny. When you have thoughts that are negative, that's not God. That's Satan. He's doing everything he can to keep you from being who God made you to be. You got to get focused. You got to understand that this hard time that you're going through is prepare, everything you're going through is preparing you for what you what you ask God. Every trial and tribulation you go through prepares you for the life God has. All the hard times. Let, first of all, let me just say one last You cannot name one single thing that God has not brought you through. If he hasn't brought you through it, he's currently pulling you through it right now. The thing that's happening to you is God's processing. Every difficult moment you're having, he's just processing. That's all he's doing. Everything you're going through is preparing you for what you ask God for. And if you need to be tough when you get to where you're going, then he's going to toughen you. If you got to be more caring along the way, he's going to let you have some trials come your way that's going to have to produce that in you. Everything you ever thought you would not make it through, you got past it. Now, if you're currently going through something right now, guess what? You're going to get past that too. It always works that way. You always do. Three major parts of personal development. Number one is physical part. Part of success is physical. Some people don't do well because they don't feel well. One of the first things to go to work on with intensive effort, and that's your own good health. Because a lot of things come from that. You know, the future possibilities could be greatly, 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 greatly diminished by being lazy in producing maximum health. If you'll take care of that as a support system, you can't believe what else is possible. You can't believe what the mind can think of. You can't believe your imagination and your faith and your ability to say, hey, I'll go to work and produce the muscle to do the deal. Why? I'm healthy. I'm vigorous. I'm vital. I'm not out of breath. But sometimes, you know, when all these ideas and stuff comes and, you know, you're too, a little bit too weak to even attempt, you say, oh, I'm not sure I can do that. The doubts sometimes are more physical than they are mental. You haven't got the vitality to believe it's possible. But if you've got the vitality and the strength and you've got the health to do it, I'm telling you, ideas seem to love to be invested in healthy people that have got the ability and the ambition to pull it off. They've got the health to do it. They've got the strength to do it. So why not start with the health and see if your own vitality would inspire you to more imagination? Because now when you imagine, you can pull it off. But if you can't pull it off, you know, why imagine? The imagination says, why to go to work and spin all these goals and stuff when the body isn't ready to produce? So start with physical. It's very important. Now here's some good ideas. There's scripture that says this, treat your body like a temple. Excellent phrase. A temple meaning something you'd take extremely good care of. Treat your body like a temple, not a woodshed. Here's why. The body and the mind work together. The body and the physical and the health is a support system for the mental that can dream, that can think, that can ponder, that can wonder, that can design, that can believe, that can have the spirit and all that's possible in terms of emotional content. 
But now, since the mind and the body work together, you got to take care of the body as a support system. One wise man said, sometimes the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. See, that's a sad combination, a willing spirit and a weak body. Sad. You wake up in the morning, right? The mind says, let's go get him. The body says, I can't even get out of bed. So have a talk with yourself and say, this is the last time I'm going to be out of breath. This is the last time I will lack the vitality to pull off my dreams. Because sure, the dream factory will shut down if you haven't got the vitality and the energy and the health to pull it off. So start taking care. Now here's the key to be conscious of self, but not self-conscious. You just got to take care of it. You don't have to be a fanatic. It doesn't take eight hours a day pushing weights to have relative good health. Just do the simple stuff, the exercise and the nutrition and the health and this, just do the stuff, you know, for normal pulling off with vitality, the dreams that you want, just a simple little plan will do. Now also part of the physical is the outside as well as the inside. Interesting phrase written, says God looks on the inside, people look on the outside. So you got to take care of both, the inside for God and the outside for people. What's the old phrase? You never have a second chance to make a first impression. So the outside appearance is also valuable as well as the inside vigor and vitality. Somebody says, well, people shouldn't judge you by your appearance. Let me give you a clue. They do. You can't bypass that. Now, of course, when people get to know you, they'll judge you by more than just how you appear. But physical, outside, inside. Here's what's good advice. Make sure the outside is an excellent reflection of the inside. Take care of both. So first in personal development on these three parts is physical. Here's the second, spiritual. I am a believer that humans are a special creation. I don't ask other people to adopt my belief, but I, I simply am a believer that humans are, are unique among all life forms. And on spirituality, since I'm an amateur, here's the best I can tell you. Three key words. Remember these words? Here they are. Study, practice, and teach. If you are a believer in whatever religion or whatever spiritual part of your program, these are three excellent words. Study, practice, teach. Don't neglect your studies on your own spirituality, whatever its origin, whatever your beliefs. Then practice, put it into practice so that number one, you become a good role model, first for your children. Then teach, pass it on. You gotta pass it on to the next generation and the next generation. What if the next generation gets a little weaker and the next generation gets a little weaker? Now the family foundation is starting to be weakened, which now weakens the nation because the nation is built up of strong family foundations. Now here's the third part. First is physical, second is spiritual, third is mental. Some key phrases on the mental part. First, the mind must be nourished. Food for thought. Bread for the head. Yes, you need a slice of toast in the morning, right, for your body, but you need a slice of cassette. You put in the car system and listen and listen. Let something feed your mind. Here's what I teach in one of the other seminars on the mind, and that is stand guard at the door of your mind. Don't just listen to anything and everything. Make sure that you're, you're your own best filter of what goes into your mental factory and spins out the fabric of your life and future. Stand guard at the door of your mind. Spend time. Be a selective listener. But you got to have a good diet, a good mental diet. 
When you walk into a home and walk into the pantry of the kitchen, you take a look what's in there. This, this family is either going to be healthy or it isn't going to be healthy. And a lot depends on what's in the cupboard. What you bring home, right, from the grocery store that you feast on for the body. Now here's what's important. A proper menu for the mind to make sure that it's got a wide range of nourishment. Because the mind needs the full education. The education of the dangers of life as well as the possibilities of life. Life consists of really two major things. One is avoiding the dangers and taking advantage of the opportunity. That's what life is all about. Avoiding the dangers and taking advantage of the opportunities. Now by education, you've got to be able to see both where somebody points out to you, these are the dangers, these are the possibilities. And if you keep refining your ability to see the dangers, to avoid as many as possible, and to see as many opportunities as possible and to maximize those as you go and refine and go produce and refine. Now that starts to develop the foundation for what we call a good life, a productive life, a fulfilled life. And we need this mental input so that you'll have mental food to feast on long after the lights are out and we've left the premises. Now we also need mental exercise. We talked about debate earlier. That's good mental exercise. Is it or isn't it? Here's what's important, to debate with yourself, to look at both sides of the issue. You must be a student of tragedy as well as triumph. You must be a student of ill as well as good. Ideas, learning to debate with yourself what's good, what's bad, what's good for you, what isn't good for you. Keep your mind vigorous. Study evil as well as good. You need a good library. And in this library, you need all kinds of diversity. You need a book on Gandhi and you need a book on Hitler. Gandhi to show you how high and lofty someone's ambitions that are noble can go. And the other one to show you how despicable and low someone can sink in terms of pure evil embodied in a human. Don't be afraid of the debate. Don't be afraid of the health debate. Don't be afraid of the religious debate, the spiritual debate. Don't be afraid of something you believe in to be challenged. Because that's where the vigor and the, and the flourishing of something is. It, it is, survives the debate. If it survives the debate, it's a pretty good idea. Okay, mental exercises. So, feed the mind, debate, exercise, a continual diet. You can't go too long in between the classes and the schools and the seminars and the sermons where things are being taught of value. Here's what else is important. You gotta go to everything, everything you can afford. Have a good plan, weekly plan, monthly plan to go to a variety of things, go to a variety of things, go to a variety of things. And don't miss, don't miss the chance. Even if you're involved in a certain company and they say, we're gonna have a training class. You say, I've been to one of those. I'm asking, you gotta go again and you got to go again. You can't get it all the first time. When they call a little training class, make sure you're there. Here's why. Some of them are going to be life-changing. And you don't know which experience is going to be life-changing. You can't pick the one. You just got to go, 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 go. One is life-changing. You go again, you go again, you go again. Another one is life-changing. For the people that were there, somebody that you met, something that you heard, and that one was just perfect. The atmosphere was right, the crowd was right, and everything was right, and you'll never be the same again. And you don't know which one that's going to be. That's why you've got to pursue. Go often, have a good plan for the search of knowledge and ideas that can inspire to the best of your potential. So now we've got the physical, we've got the spiritual, we've got the mental parts of personal development, of personal development. 
personal development personal development personal development personal development the road to success is through commitment and through the strength to drive through that commitment when it gets hard and it is going to get hard and you're going to want to quit sometimes but it'll be colored by who you are and more who you want to be you can only have two things in life reasons or results notice reasons don't count folks will always point out reasons on why they are not living their dream on why they're not manifesting their greatness. They will always be able to point those things out, but none of those things count. The only thing that counts are results, and results don't lie, ladies and gentlemen. They tell it all. Judge a tree by the fruit that it bears, not the ones that it might talk about, not the ones that it might wish for, or think about, or affirm about, but the fruit that it actually bears. So let us look. I think that all of us are, are committed. But I think that some of us are producing results in our lives that that level of commitment brings that we particularly don't like or find distasteful. I don't think that as a participant in life, you cannot be committed. You're either committed to mediocrity or you're committed to greatness. You're either committed to being productive or you're committed to being non-productive. You're committed to being happy or you're committed to being unhappy. See, whatever you're doing, however you spend your time, that tells you who you are. So think about what it is you like to create in your life experience. Once I look at how you commit your time, once I do an evaluation on how you spend your time, I can tell you exactly what you're committed to. People that say they have dreams or want to open a business or want to do something differently than what they're now doing, they don't like their jobs, they're unhappy, they're unfulfilled, People who say they want to improve their income level, look at how they spend their time. How they spend their time, the commitment of their time, how they use that, that will really tell the truth. People who said, I'd like to do better, but you don't find them in vocational or technical schools, upgrading their skills and their knowledge, how they spend their time, that will tell you what's going on. People who say they want to normalize their weight, they want to be healthy, but every time you see them, they're eating, that will tell you that they're committed to being obese for the rest of their lives. People tell you they want to stop smoking and they're lighting up at that time. Folks that say, I want to stop drinking, and every time you're in their face, they're reeking with alcohol. That will tell you what's going on. Don't have to listen to what they say. Just watch what they do. Commitment shows up in your life in what you do. On the other hand, you can make the commitment to your life that you don't like the results that you have. And that you're going to do something about it. See, that power is available to all of us. People who look at life and decide, I want something different for myself. Why is it that people are frightened by commitment? Because when you say the word commitment, that intimidates a lot of people. Why? Because it means you have to deliver. They don't want to commit themselves because commitment means, among many things, no excuse is acceptable. And like I've said before, we each have a gift, but too many people miss out because they refuse to sign the lease on their gift. You keep looking for it outside of you. Stop. Sit with yourself. What is it that you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort?
That's your gift. But if you are constantly looking outside of yourself and you don't latch on to your gift, you will never find your purpose. If you want to succeed, you must commit to your own gift and embrace it. Here's the big challenge of life. You can have more than you've got because you can become more than you are. That's the challenge. And of course, the other side of the coin reads, unless you change how you are, you'll always have what you got. Everybody hopes things will get better. Everybody hopes. Poor people hope. That ought to tell you something. It means the future does not get better by hope. It gets better by plan. If you wish to be successful, study success. If you wish to be happy, study happiness. If you wish to be wealthy, study wealth. Don't leave it to chance. Make it a study. Some people just go through the day with their fingers crossed. See, that won't do it. You've got to study the things that can change your economic, social, spiritual, personal life. If you don't like how it is for you, change it. If it doesn't suit you, change it. If it doesn't please you, change it. If it isn't enough, change it. And I challenge you to do that because you can change. See, you don't ever have to be the same again after tonight, only by choice. See, you don't want to wind up at the end of your life and discover that you've lived only one-tenth of it. And the other nine-tenths went down the drain not for lack of opportunity, for lack of information. Most of us lower our standards. Why? Because who you spend time with, my friends, is who you become. Quality of your life is the quality of where you live emotionally. Like we all have a home. Angry people find a way to get angry, even if their life doesn't have to be angry about. We can always find it. Sad people find a way to be sad. Caring people find a way to care for other people. So one thing that identify is where are you living? What's your home? What's your habit? And then the way to change it is that when I was homeless, literally on my own, just getting started, I didn't have the internet, but I decided I had to go to a library and I had to feed my mind. And I always tell people the first stage is, you know, weeds grow automatically. Uh, one of my teachers taught me, he said, every day stand guard at the door of your mind and feed it something good. Because if your worst enemy puts sugar in your coffee here, you're fine. If your best friend by accident trying to help you put some strychnine, you're dead. So if you feed your mind every day, 30 minutes a day of reading something, hearing something, second, you got to strengthen your body, and the reason, Pierce, is fear is physical, right? So is stagnation, so is numbness, so is sadness, so is rage. And when you go in and change your body by an intense workout or a run or even an intense walk and the blood's flowing through you, science has shown it instantly changes your biochemistry. And now your mind and body are working together. Third thing, all these people did in common, if you watch, they found a mission bigger than themselves. Yeah. Something that they want to aspire to that was worth more than their pain. And then the fourth thing is, you got to find a role model. You know, you heard it with Nick. Um, almost everybody finds a role model that makes it real. Yeah. You get a role model, it becomes real to you. If you get a plan, you get a goal plan, and you take massive action. And the last step, number five, there's always somebody all worse off than you are, no matter what you've done. So if you can go help somebody worse off, you put your life in perspective. And it also reminds you, life's not about me, it's about we. I always tell people, 
The secret to great life, the secret to living, is giving. And there's, if you realize there's something you still to give, even if you lost your legs, even if you've been through a horrific financial situation, your life can improve, but more importantly, on a meaningful life, because your life will contribute to other people. Decide to develop the habit right now, the habit of focusing on what's right in your world instead of what's wrong. The habit of focusing on what you do have instead of what you don't have in a situation. And as basic as that is, and as well as you know it, you've got to make it a habit. Because those habits form the chain of your ultimate character, of who you become and how you end up living your life. We've got to condition ourselves, because if we don't, we'll go back to the automatic state that most people live in in today's society. The way to develop the habit is to go on a mental diet. It's that you immediately do not allow yourself to hold a negative feeling, a negative thought for seven straight days, day and night, even when it gets tough, even when somebody disappoints you, even when you get frustrated, even when you give your all and it still turns up lousy. Listen, if all I did was rant and rave on this date and you didn't listen to anything else I said, but you took on this seven-day challenge, you can't believe what it'll do to your life. If you get yourself in a state of certainty that this is going to work, I'm going to find a way, and if this doesn't work, I will make the way then you tap a lot more potential. And when you're certain in your potential, you take massive action. When you take massive action, you really believe in something, you get great results. When you get great results, your brain goes, see, I told you I was a stud. People tell me all the time, oh, I'm skeptical, or I'm pessimistic. I say, no, no, you're gutless. It takes no guts, it takes no courage to be a pessimist, to say it's not gonna work, to try to find out what's wrong. What's wrong is always available. So what's right. So I'm not into positive thinking, but I am into intelligence. And intelligence says, see it as it is, don't make it worse than it is. The only way it gets better is if you can see how it is. Don't make it worse than it is. Don't try to make it so it's impossible to change. That's not true. Not true at all. The second mandate, I think, to changing anything in your life, to believe in your life, is once you see it as it is, not worse than it is, then you got to see it better than this. Because that's the thing that's missing from most relationships. There's no vision. I mean, without a vision, people what? Perish. And when a relationship has no vision for greater than where they are, that relationship is going downhill, if not destroyed. I believe that every relationship, every part of life, every part of the human being needs a compelling future. If the future is not more compelling than today, today could be tough, but if the future is compelling, we can get there. I'm saying this is the time more than ever that you want to begin to inoculate yourself with positive words coming to confront people showing up on meetings, being on the calls to make yourself unstoppable, to get out of your mind the polluting negative thoughts that's causing most people to go through life being stuck because they're volunteer victims. Somebody said that many people die at age 25 and don't get buried until they're 65 because they got so much garbage in their minds. You are here because you've got a clear vision of what you want and where you're going. Give yourselves a round of applause. Come on, bring your energy level up. Yes. Yes. You want more. You want more. You're different. You're different than everybody else. Don't worry if they don't get it. Don't try and convince people to do this business. A person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. You are not like everybody else. You can walk outside and find pigeons, but if you're looking for eagles, it's going to take you a minute. You are different. It's lonely at the top. How many of you know it's lonely at the top? Raise your hands. It's lonely at the top, but you eat better. That's what I'm talking about. You're different.
One great entrepreneur said, I choose not to be a common man. It's my right to be uncommon if I care. I seek opportunity, not security. I do not wish to be a kept citizen, humbled and dull by having the state look after me. I want to take the calculated risk to dream and to build, to fail and to succeed. I refuse to live from hand to mouth. I prefer the challenges of life to the guaranteed existence, the thrill of fulfillment to the still calm of utopia. I will never call before any master, nor bend to any threat. It's my heritage to stand erect, proud and unafraid, to face the world boldly and say, this I have done. You showed up because you're building a business that you can stand and say, I did this. I did this. This is my dream. Give yourselves a round of applause. Yes. Yes. Listen to me. Rich people think different. So what I'm going to put in your head today is a rich people concept so you can get to understand it. The only difference between successful people and not is just how they think. Rich people think different. Quit letting people tell you you got to get qualified in another program. You don't need another program to be successful. You need to change the way you think. So here's the deal. The problem with becoming a millionaire is that when you decide that you want to be a millionaire, you immediately start thinking, how can I become a millionaire? Well, that thought don't just pop into your head. So you get frustrated and you don't become a millionaire. And you start creating stuff like, well, I guess this wasn't the Lord's will. Or as soon as I think of how I'm going to make a million. You can't think of how to make a million dollars. Stop. Do you know if you knew how to make a million dollars, what's the day, Tuesday? Wouldn't you make it by Friday? Wouldn't I you make it by Friday? But suppose I told you how you can become a millionaire with what you have. Because here's the deal. All of you have everything it takes to become rich. You just don't believe it. Poverty, consumer mindset. Wealth, a producer's mindset. When you desperate, you make desperate moves. Find an area of your life where you're not wealthy and put all your energy on it. Relationships. Get the wealthy relationships. Stop hanging out with people who ain't healthy. Unless y'all made a commitment to help them to get healthy. Does that make sense? Get your money right. Get your spiritual life right. There should be no area of your life you can't be wealthy. Why? Because he said be fruitful. Then he said multiply. Then he said have dominion. Then he said subdue. Money makes a difference. Let me tell you what money does. Number one, it gives you control over your life. Number two, it gives you options. Three, it allows you to live a life of contribution, to contribute to things that you feel strongly about. So here's the first step to accumulating wealth. If you expect to do it, write this down. You must be willing to do the things today others won't do. In order to have the things tomorrow, others won't have. What are the things that others won't do? Number one, make discipline a major force in your life. How many of you know if you'd have been more disciplined, you'd be further along to reach your goals right now? Socrates said the undisciplined life is an insane life. The road to life is straight and narrow because few there be that are willing to discipline themselves. Here's something else that most people won't do. 
Make it okay to fail. A lot of people, 85% of people allow their fear of failure to outweigh their desire to succeed. Repeat after me, please. Anything that's worth doing is worth doing badly. Anything is worth doing is worth doing right as we have been taught if you know how to do it. But if you don't know how to do it, it's worth doing badly until you get it right. Now, if you can develop this theory that I'm about to share with you, I have the way for you to be rich. This is it. First of all, all of you have a gift. God gave it to you when he created you. God never created a single soul without giving them a gift. That's the God that created you. He's a very smart God. Hear the cold thing. When he made you, he put the gift inside of you. He didn't hide it under the ocean. It ain't on the mountain nowhere. It ain't under no rocks. You ain't got to go drill it. God put what you needed inside of you at birth. All of you have a gift. But you have got to do your gift. The thing God gave you at birth to do. It is the thing that you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort. That's your gift. Anything else you're doing, you're wasting your time. Do you hear me? You're wasting your time. If when the alarm clock goes off in the morning and it makes you sick every morning that that alarm go off, it's because you ain't doing your gift. You're going against what God created you to be. Do, do most of you know what your gift is? Who in here doesn't know their gift yet? Okay, let me tell you what you do. Go home today. Don't talk to nobody. Sit down and have one conversation with yourself. What is the thing that I do the absolute best with the least amount of effort? This ain't going to take you long. You old enough, you grown. Write it down. I don't care if it's networking. I don't care if it's babysitting. I don't care if it's doing color. I don't care if it's painting. Whatever it is, it's what you do. Sing it. Whatever you do the best, write it down. That's your gift. That's it. You ain't got to go asking a bunch of people. They've been telling you your whole life. You know, you ever have people call you with their problems? They always call you with your problems because you gifted at it. But you didn't, you didn't know how to identify it. If you identify your gift. Now, let me ask you this question. This thing that you're gifted at, if you did it for somebody, do you think somebody would pay you $10 for your gift? Just $10. Could you babysit for $10? Could you cut somebody's hair for $10? Could you cut their grass for $10? Could you make them a chicken dinner for $10? Could you, could you, could you do something for $10? Everybody. Don't you have something somebody would give you $10 for? Okay, now, once you have something that somebody's willing to pay you $10 for, this is how this works. It's called the multiples of 10. See, you don't have to figure out how to be a millionaire. You just got to figure out the thing that makes you $10. So now here we go. You do it and you make $10. As soon as they pay you the 10, go do it 10 more times. Whatever it was. Watch some more kids. 10 more times. Get another 10. You got $100. When you get $100, whatever you did to make that $100, listen to me. Do it 10 more times. You ain't got to get tricky with it. Just do it 10 more times. You'd have made $1,000. Whatever you did to make the $1,000, don't get smart. Stay stupid now. Do it 10 more times. 
You have now made $10,000. Hold up. Now we finna grow a little bit, but guess what you gotta do to grow? You just gotta do some more. Whatever you made $10,000 doing, I need you to do it 10 more times. What you tripping for? If you do it 10 more times, you got a hundred thousand dollars. Now you might have to hire some people to make this happen. You got to figure that part out. But all you got to do is do what you did for $10. Once you make a hundred thousand dollars, uh oh, if you just do it 10 more times. You don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. To me, my definition of success is doing what you love to do and find somebody to pay you to do it. <laughs> so what do you love to do? And then explore ways in which you can earn a living doing that. Cooking, writing, painting, working with numbers, working with people. But the other thing that's important, faith to act on whatever your dream is. See, when you make a commitment, I'm going to become wealthy, when you make it important, when you decide I'm going to do it no matter what, life changes for you. Some of y'all got a poverty mindset. You, you ain't got nothing running over because you keep taking. You feel good about somebody just casting you out. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's better to than to you geek because somebody gave you. Geek, you should be geek when you give. I lived off 30% of my income. Why? So I could have cash when big opportunities came. I kept my script, my credit up. Alright, here's a poverty mindset. Poverty mindset is, I owe somebody and I ain't gonna pay them till I die. A poverty mindset. When you, when you took out that student loan, you signed your name. Don't your name mean something to you? You told them you was gonna pay them back. It'd be cool if you ain't telling me you was gonna pay them back. You told me you was going to pay them back. A poverty mind says I ain't going to pay them back. When I got my first lump sum check, first thing I did was pay student loans. Sally Mae, I paid Sally Mae. Whose student loans did I pay for first? I paid for Dee first. So I had to show my wife, like, I ain't going nowhere. Boom, student loan paid for. Then a year or two later, I paid mine. So are you hearing what I'm saying? Then took care of all our debts, took care of her mama's debts. When you get whole, you buy stuff that you need and that you need. When you not whole, you buy stuff so people can see you got money. When you rich, you don't want them to know you got it. I only bring my bank account. Let me tell you something. Only two people you need to impress. That's God and your creditors. That's it. I'm just being real. You need to impress God, and then if Chase want to give you a two million to get a house, you got to prove to them. You know what I'm saying? So you do got to prove. So you know what I'm saying? Like, there's two people. Your creditors, you need to prove something to, and God. Other than that, you don't need to be proving nothing to nobody. You need to get out of your feelings. And the reason why they get some of y'all is because you're in your feelings. You want to prove something that already exists. Why do I have to prove to people what I have? And that's why people fool with me because I'm organic. I don't, I'm not trying to prove what already is. Matter of fact, I don't tell you about the real good in my marriage. I tell you about all the mistakes I made. Why? Because it not, it does not benefit you to know what I have that's good. What benefits you is the mistakes I made and how I overcame those mistakes. That's what benefits you. It don't benefit me to walk around and act like I got, oh, I'm killing it. Does that make sense? So you gotta get out of your feelings because that's poverty and you could be manipulated. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you're in abundance. Tiffany, you told me January 1st that how much money did I already lose by leaving court? I already left for half a million dollars on the table, y'all. The year hadn't even started. 
But why don't I run up behind every corporate company that called me? I'm already in abundance. How many gigs did you get me? And that equals seven figures? I'm already in abundance. I don't need eight million. I don't need 10 million to live. It don't take more than a million to live a year. I'm in abundance. So I don't have to run up behind every opportunity. That's why I'm telling you to be wealthy. You run up behind some stuff you shouldn't be doing because you are in poverty. People who are broke make desperate decisions. I make a lot of money, but I live off of 30% of my income. I live in a 2,300 square foot home. The people next to me are like working class, like teachers, firefighters. Like I could easily move to Atlanta and put a million to the side and get a mansion. My rent is $1,900 a month. Well, I don't have a mortgage no more. But when I had one, it was $1,900 a month. I make 50 grand a speech. I drive an Escalade that my company bought for me. And we don't have three cars. I got the one car that I drive. I don't have the one I drive in on the weekend. If you want to drive multiple cars, that's cool. I'm just telling you how to get rich. How do you develop an above average income? And the answer is become an above average person. Learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. He said, Jim, I've only known you a short time. But he said, it's already my honest opinion that for things to change for you, you've got to change. That wasn't quite the answer I was looking for. But that's the answer he gave me, and I pass it along to you on this warm summer evening in Anaheim, California, 1981. For things to change for you, you've got to change. Otherwise, it isn't going to change. The only way it gets better for you is when you get better. Life and business is like the changing seasons. You cannot change the seasons, but you can change yourself. And see, that's how life gets better for you. Not by chance, but by change. See, I used to blame everything outside. And then let me give you a little philosophy to help turn my life around. It's not what happens that determines the quality or the quantity of your life. It's not what happens. And the reason is because what happens happens to about everybody. No different. The sun went down on all of us last night. A common event, a happening. And I found out that the same things can happen to two different people. One gets rich and one stays poor. Why is that? It's because it's not what happens, but rather it's what you do that changes everything. Two men wake up one morning, there's a rainstorm on. One of them looks out his window, sees the rainstorm, and he says, Wow, what a storm! With weather like this, they can't expect you to go out and make sales. He stays home. Same morning, the other guy looks out his window, sees the same storm, says, Wow, what a storm! But he says, You know what, with weather like this, what a great day to go out and make sales. Most everybody will probably be home. Especially the salesman. It's not what happens, it's what you do. So here's one of the key questions of the evening. Starting tomorrow, what are you going to do that'll make a change in your life's direction? Good question. What are you going to do starting tomorrow that'll make a difference? 
Now, see, if you don't do something starting tomorrow that'll make a difference, guess what? It's gonna be the same. And see, that way you can guess what the next five years are gonna be like. Look at the last five. Because the next five are gonna be like the last five, unless you, major key, tomorrow, change it all. Or change a little, or change something, or don't change. It's choice time. You can do whatever you want. But it's nice to know any day you wish you can change your whole life.